0: time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did, because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, They've got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I cannot tell you how much is in those two verses, or three verses. Um, but I want to talk about this idea tonight. Here, Paul is talking about the end of his life, the end of his race. And finishing well say that I've fought the good fight I've finished the race, I've kept the faith for each one of us in this room my prayer is that that is our testimony on our final day my prayer is that for each one of us we can say I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith so I want to talk tonight a little bit about the thing that I believe is the, the, the primary thing that will sustain us and enable us to get there and so Paul, before he even goes into that, says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. I don't want to hit too long on this tonight, but I, I was just even like, okay, what is, what is a drink offering? And, and when, we read, when we read that, Paul says that uh, a few times. He, he talks about being a drink offering, and I think five or six times in the Old Testament we have uh, stories of the drink offering. The drink offering is really kind of an interesting offering because it always... Uh, accompanies another offering so the drink offering isn't offered by itself, there's only once in scripture where it was offered by itself and that was unique circumstances, the drink offering always accompanies another offering, it's not even stu- studied and talked about a ton because it's not in the Levitical offerings, you know when you talk about uh, those, the, the, the meal offering the sin offering, it's not in the Levitical offerings, but what it does is it comes alongside and it partners with those offerings, the, the Levitical offerings, and I know this is a little technical here, but it's okay. The Levitical offerings are, are mostly about that they represent Jesus and, and his activity. The drink offering is really an interesting piece because it's not a, about just atonement. It's not just about salvation. It comes along and it partners with that. And it brings a, it brings a sweetness with those offerings. The drink offering, uh, unlike the Levitical offerings, was not specific uh, to, to speaking of the work of Christ... But the drink offering speaks of the joy in complimenting that work. The drink offering is the joy of complimenting that work. The drink offering speaks of God's joy when His work is complete in His people. When His people are full uh, of possession of their blessing. See, God's purpose wasn't even in... As you look at the Old Testament, His purpose wasn't just to deliver His people out of Egypt. His purpose was to deliver them out of Egypt unto having relationship with Him. So you could even say that the drink offering represents not just salvation, but the relationship piece of that offering. And so I find it interesting here that as Paul writes this, he ties those two together. He ties together the idea of Paul writes this, and every time Paul talks about the drink offering, he's talking about his life being poured out completely. The giving of everything he has. And here, he equates the giving of everything he has to finishing well. He equates the the joy of of coming alongside the, the offering, you know, atonement, coming alongside salvation, and the idea of post that salvation moment, the fact that I can give the rest of my life to Jesus, that's the sweet offering. That's the joy. That's the partnership with what Jesus did that I get to give. And that's my offering. And, and I just find that very interesting, and I believe that, that I just, my prayer for each one of us is that we would pour out our lives like a drink offering, that we would enjoy What that looks like. At the end of our days, we would say, I've given everything, all for Jesus, and it's been so sweet. So, even in talking about enduring to the end, what it means to have perseverance and endurance, um, I'll tell you a funny story. Maybe you'll think it's funny. You might not. I don't know. Uh, But, uh, okay, so some of you have heard the story before, but when I was a junior in high school, I moved from Oklahoma City to Seattle. And uh, that was a major upgrade, by the way. But, uh, and so in that process, uh, I, I, I began, you know, the beginning of the year, and uh, there were basketball tryouts were happening. And so I was like, sweet, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try out for the basketball team. And, uh, and so I go to the tryouts, and, I mean, we called them tryouts, but let's, uh, it was a pretty small school. Anyway, uh, I mean, it was very hard to get on the team. And uh, so I go to the tryouts, and, uh, and, you know, the first day, I'm thinking, sweet, basketball tryouts. I'm going to show this coach everything i got. You know, he's going to be so impressed with how I can shoot and dribble, and this is going to be so incredible. And the entire day, all we did was run. And I was like, why are we doing this? This is tryouts. Does he, does he need to see my form while I run? I mean, what is he even looking at? And so we're literally just running around the track over and over again. And it's a few, I mean, it doesn't take long for me to realize, wow, I am really out of shape. This is not going well for me. You know, and you're running, and then all of a sudden you get that, that pain right here, and you're like, ah, so you start grabbing it, and you're like running like this, and, and uh, I wasn't really very prepared for this, because I don't know what, so so I don't know how you did like high school. I, I was not a bring my lunch to school kind of person. I just couldn't do it. I just don't know, like for some reason, I was like, I would not do that, so I was more of like a candy machine and Coke machine day. You know, every day it was like Cherry Coke and Hershey's, or you know, it was like a and Reese's or something like that. That was my lunch every day. And so after school, I was like, oh, man, I have, like, basketball tryouts. I should have some, like, substance in me, you know? I should have something of, like, that's going to give me energy. So I drove to the gas station, and I got, like, a V8, and I was like, hmm, eight vegetables combined into one juice. This will give me the energy I need. And I was checking out, and then, you know, they have that stuff up there that's really tempting, and I was like, ooh, licorice. So I down this V8 and this licorice, and I'm running around the track, and I, the pain starts. And I'm like, just going for it. And, and I'm just quoting scripture. I'm just like, come on. My body is my slave. My body is my slave. You know, I will overcome. You know, and I'm just like quoting scripture. I'm like, I can do this. I have, you know, all the motivation. I'm like, I want to be on this team. I'm going. And then all of a sudden, the licorice and the V8 decided that they did not enjoy their home. And I'm literally running around the track, but I don't want to stop running. Because I'm trying to impress the coach, right? And so I just turn my head. And it's just all down the track. I don't stop. I just, just keep going. I'd like to tell you that this only happened once. Multiple times, my coach finally was like, Dan, stop running. I did not have what it took to finish well. I had all the heart, man, I wanted to, I had all the motivation. But I didn't have the lung capacity. I didn't have the I endurance to actually do it. I was all excited. I was so excited to get out there and show what I had. But it turned out I didn't have quite enough. And I know that's a goofy story. But even as I was just thinking on this idea, it's, it's my desire for each one of us that we finish well. And I think a lot of us, we have all the motivation. We have all the excitement. But do we have the lung capacity? Do we have the heart capacity? finish well, to end this race, where we can look back and say, I, I gave it my all, and I'm able to actually complete it. I didn't just, I, I wasn't just, you know, I went hard for a while and then flamed out, but no, I was able to go and the entire time give everything I had. So I want to talk about the, the primary thing that I think will help us sustain to the end. And I was, th- this stood, stood out to me even as we were reading, you know, last semester we read through Matthew together. So I just want to read Matthew 17 starting in verse 1 after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John the brother of James and led them up to a high mountain by themselves there he was transfigured before them his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus imagine if you're these disciples hanging out I mean, this is kind of a crazy moment, right? Like, you've been hanging out with Jesus for, like, three years. You know what he looks like, like, you know, and your, your buddies. And then all of a sudden, you're, you go up on this mountain, and his face starts shining like the sun. Have you ever tried to stare at the sun? It's painful. I mean, I've never tried it, but if I were to have tried it, you can't do it for very long. Imagine, Jesus' face started glowing and shining like the sun. Then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah show up. I mean, these boys were like, whoa. This is pretty sweet. I mean, do you know what that is? I mean, I mean, I've seen drawings because we don't have pictures yet. We don't have Instagram, so I've only seen, you know, like, Etchagram. But, uh, man, this guy, I think that's Moses. And they're just, like, hanging out. And While he was speaking, a bright cloud enveloped him, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces, they, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is this moment as Jesus is kind of entering into his final effort. I mean, as, he, as he's heading into his last days, the cross is before him. And there's this moment here where he's hanging out with Moses and Elijah like I think that's probably a pretty good day I mean Peter as you read there Peter was even like hey Jesus this is good that we're here because what we're gonna do is we're gonna build like three altars of remembrance you're lucky you brought us Jesus and he's like bro you're looking at Moses I mean you're lucky I brought you you know like I don't know Peter he's just a funny guy to me but I mean hanging out with Moses and Elijah was probably a pretty good moment right But we see here, and this is what I want to see. I want us to land on. When the Father sees Jesus coming to the end, and He rips open the heavens in order to audibly speak, this is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. I believe that the primary thing, I will say the the bottom line thing that will sustain you in passion for Jesus, in relationship with Jesus, for all the days of your life, is this. It's knowing that you have a God that loves you. Knowing that you have a God who knows you. And he's proud of you. That he sees you. He delights in you. It's, it's beginning to understand. And, and this is really, I mean, I think this is, there, there's a reason that we see this in Jesus' life twice. We see it at the beginning when he's baptized. At the beginning of his ministry. God even then rips open heaven and says the exact same phrase. This is my son whom I love in him I'm well pleased. And then as Jesus is heading into the the hardest time, the most his most difficult challenge. Again, the Father says it over him. The importance of us knowing that we have a God that loves us cannot be stated enough. Listen, I know I'm taking some liberties here, but if Jesus needed to know from God that he was loved, how much more do we? If Jesus needed, and and, and I realize that it gets a little murky when you start talking about what Jesus needed, but but when you just look at what actually happened, it seems to be that Jesus needed the Father to speak over him, I love you, I'm proud of you, I delight in you. Jesus might have needed that, more to me. I'll just put it this way: I know that I need it. I know that I need to know that God loves me. I know that I need to know that He delights in me. I need to know the God, how great He is, that says He loves me. In my bones, I need to know it. To my core, I cannot do it without that. Tr- without that truth, that is the thing that will sustain us. That is the thing that will propel you. To a life in God. That is that, the, the understanding of that phrase, the simple phrase that most of us have heard from day one or from very early on, so much so that it has very little meaning to us. But If we can get this idea that God loves us, it is the thing that will keep us. That is the thing that will propel us to be able to say, I finished strong. At the end of our days. I believe that you can love God your entire life. I believe it because I've seen it. I've seen people that have lived 50, 60, 70 years following Jesus. And on their deathbed, they're talking about Jesus. And it's not it's not some religion. It's not the actions of a religion, it's not the rules of a lifestyle. What's happened is the people, because let me put it, let me, let me say this, there are many people who aren't that way. There are many people who when they, at, when they're at this same moment that Paul is at, at their last days, when they talk about Jesus, you don't see tears cover their eyes. There are many people who, when they are in this moment, they're tired and they're, you know, they don't know and they haven't stayed faithful to the end people that have they don't talk about Jesus like an idea, they talk about him like a person a person that they know, a person that they've experienced, and a person that they know loves them I'm telling you it, 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 I, I've said this before, this is how we started, but even as we as we launch back, as, you know we've been gone for the last month, we've kind of taken a, a little break here and I don't know where you're at the truth is, is you know, we've for the last four weeks we've all had lots of different experiences some of you have come back and you're like ready to go and ready to press and some of you the last four weeks was God encounter after God encounter And some of you you felt like the heavens are locked up and I feel so distant from the Lord some of you made great decisions some of you didn't so I don't know where we're all at but here's what I know if we want to keep going in this thing if we want to press on we want to start this new season of DLA together, saying we've got to know beyond anything else at our core that we are loved. We've got to know how much God loves us, what that means. Life in God, as we give our life to Jesus, life in God, doing this until every day until we die, it's not about living the good life. It's It's not about, you know, what's my calling? What am I going to do for Jesus? It's not mostly about that. Dare I say, it's not mostly about where you'll spend eternity. It starts by knowing that he loves us. It starts by knowing that we are accepted and loved by him. And, and, and after that, then we'll get, a, we'll get the rest of it. Listen, it, 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 if you say, I need to know Jesus, my heart is about Jesus. It's not about seeking after comfort in this life. It's not about what my calling is. It's not about even, you know, the eternal destiny. It's about Jesus scripture says that all these other things will be added unto you you can trust him for those things caleb was talking about it last night with the missional track you know i mean he was talking about our our internal destiny and i don't even know how you said it. he said very there's there's really good language to it you know but what was it
1: yeah internal
0: destiny external destiny and eternal destiny our primary job is our internal destiny it's it's god i want to know you i want to love you if i can be a lover of god all the days of my life Then I am a success. But bottom line, you cannot love God unless you know that he loves you. You cannot adequately love God unless you know that he loves you. And so that's why it's so important. And that's in scripture. We can only love. We only have the ability to love in 1 John because he first loved us. We don't even have the capacity to love at all if love himself didn't love us. So we've got to know that love. We've got to learn what it is. We've got to live in that love. And it must shape us. It must change us forever. It must mark everything we do. If you don't know that you're loved, then that leaves you only with fear, performance, bitterness, and betrayal. If you don't know that you're loved, then that leaves you with fear, performance, bitterness, and betrayal. I want you to imagine if If I didn't know, Amy and I are married, we've been married for four and a half years. If I didn't know that Amy loved me, how much different would my life be? That would, every day, I would be living, trying to earn her love. Because I don't know she loves me, so I have to try and earn her love. I'm I'm performing, I'm doing things, so I'm trying to earn that love. Or, and in that, I'm fearful that I might mess up. And if I do the wrong thing, what little bit she might love me, she might not love me anymore. And so I have to, I have this performance mentality that I have to somehow perform so that she could love me. Because I don't know that she loves me. So I'm trying to perform. But then I'm scared. I'm living in fear that maybe if I mess up, she won't love me anymore. And so it's this horrible cycle where I'm just all the time walking on eggshells trying to, oh, do you love me? Do you love me? No, no. If I know she loves me, I'm released from that. Or... The flip side happens, and if I don't know she loves me, maybe I'm not trying to earn her love. I just become indifferent. I'm indifferent if she loves me or not. And so I just begin to live however I want to live, and we have no relationship. This is why it's so important that we know that we are loved. It's so that we don't—you don't have to live in fear of, of God not loving you anymore because you know that he loves you. You don't have to perform in a way that you think somehow if I do this, God will love me. No, no, no. When we know that we're loved, we can be confident in our actions. We can be confident in our life. We can be confident in our mistakes. When you know you're loved, you can be confident in being dumb. Because in your idiocy, God still loves you. He didn't love you because of how great you were. He loves you because he loves you. And so we can say, hey, Jesus... Guess what? I'm an idiot, but you already loved me when I was an idiot before. So I can keep going and pressing in after you. And it causes to where when we fail, when we sin, it's not this shame or this fear of like, oh, no, somehow God, I I messed up and you don't love me anymore. It's like, oh, it, it kills us on the inside. And we get to stand up and say, you know what? I'm loved going forward. You loved me yesterday. You loved me the day before. You'll love me tomorrow know that I'm loved, therefore I can press on. I can keep going. We don't have to be indifferent. We don't have to be the people that say, oh, I don't you know, I don't know if God loves me, whatever. No, 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 no. If we would get this, th- this idea of God speaking this over Jesus, let's hear it for us. As he says, I love you. I'm proud of you. I believe in you. I delight in you. It changes everything about us. Knowing that we are loved is the key to living in love for Jesus. Revelation of God's love will propel us and sustain us, but let's go back to my puking on the track analogy. I had a lot of motivation to finish that run. I just didn't have the capacity to build it. Our hearts are tiny, little human hearts, and we can only receive God's love to the capacity that is in our hearts to receive. And so that means I believe that many of us we start off we're so excited about it and we're like God you love me and this is great but we don't cultivate the capacity it's just like a muscle it's just like it's I mean it's like your lungs you know as you as you moved to Colorado this year and you walked up a flight of stairs and you were like <gasps> I cannot breathe where is the air but the longer you're here, the more you run, the more you are active here. All of a sudden, you're leaping upstairs, and you're only slightly out of breath. You know? Ten years later, you might be acclimated. I'm, I'm convinced every time I run and I'm out of breath, it takes like ten years to get acclimated to the altitude. I'm pretty sure. It's not that I'm out of shape. It's the altitude. But it's the same. Just like, just like we can expand our lung capacity, with oxygen, we can expand our heart's capacity to receive God's love. And that's the thing that will propel us and keep us. It is a knowledge of his love, but, but we got to keep going time and time again. And there is depth in that. And there, there's, there's an ocean to be had. And so often, we settle for just what's at the forefront. We settle for just the tide. When the ocean of God's love is available to us. And he says, come and drink. Drink deep. but we're saying, no, 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 I'm okay with just this, you know, this little sound over here. There's more. So let's expand our capacity. And I believe that we can. I believe it's crucial that we do. So how can we do it? Our part of this story is to simply receive the love that God has for us. He loves us. He reveals to us his love. Our part is to say yes to it, to receive it, to believe it. And so for me, my prayer for us is that each of us are regularly working out our capacity to receive more love. You will never be able to receive the fullness of His love. That means we can continue to grow in this every day for all of our days. You won't ever get to the end. I mean, when you read that He has more thoughts for you than sand on the, on the shore, that's a lot of thoughts. I mean, I wouldn't even pretend to try and count that. When we read that he sings songs over us, God sings songs over you, Zephaniah 3? What? God is singing songs over you right now. When we understand that we have a God that loves us and that we can never touch, we can never fully understand, we can never fully know, but we can always know more than we we can grow more and more in love. And as we learn more of how much he loves us, that causes our hearts to naturally respond in love to him. And that's the whole point of this thing. The whole point of this thing... Now, there is a third level where we actually begin to love other people. We'll get there later. But the start of it is if I can receive God's love and, and, and have the capacity to understand it and continue to the, or to the level that I can understand it, I can love him back. And so if I can expand that capacity then I can love God more and know that I'm loved more and so I can live more confidently I can live with less fear I mean the more I can know his love the more I can love him back and the better life is going to be you can walk in the confidence of that and the truth of that so how can we expand our hearts capacity to receive love I'm sure there's many ways uh I want to hit on just a few um This is essentially even for those of you in in your disciplines class. This is why we talk about the disciplines. Why we do disciplines is to expand our heart's ability and capacity to receive God's love. That is the purpose. It's so that we operate with discipline and expand our ability to receive God's love. And and to understand it to the level that we can. We want to know more. So we want to position ourselves before Him. If we will position ourselves before God, listen, here's what happens. We've said this before. You begin to crave that which you consume. That which you, that which you eat, I mean, you you begin to develop a, a taste for that which you eat, right? It, it, it I, you know, I didn't just, I, I wasn't born really desiring to drink Coca-Cola. Well, that's probably not true. I probably was, but it was, it was at, a, at, a, at a relatively young age, you know, when I began drinking Coca-Cola and haven't stopped. Uh, that's what happens, right? Caleb wasn't born with an insatiable desire to eat McDonald's. It happened over time as he went there time and time and time again. What we consume, we begin to crave. So that's why we need to place ourselves. And that's what you're doing this year. What you're doing this year is you're saying, I'm willfully placing myself somewhere where I am forced to consume God. I'm forced to consume who He is. I'm forced to sit before Him, prayer meeting after prayer meeting, and service after service, and sermon after sermon. And I'm forced to do that, but I choose to do that. So as as we begin to place ourselves before Him, what happens is we begin to crave Him, we begin to desire Him. The hunger in us grows, and hunger begets hunger, right? Hunger, if we have hunger, it just makes us more hungry, because the more we experience him, the more we realize we can have. It's like when you, you know, I mean, we just got through the holidays, right? When you go for Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, you don't sit down and be like, this looks incredible, and we have one bite of mashed potatoes, and we're like, oh, it's so good. I don't need anything else. I am satisfied. No, 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 no. We eat till we're satisfied and then some. We want more and more and more. That's what happens with the Lord. As we place ourselves before him, we want more and more and more. And what we're doing is we're simply expanding our heart's capacity to receive his love. Therefore, we're loving him more. So that's what we need to be doing with our lives. So let me give you just some quick things. That I think, and like I said, there's more than this. The first one is reading the word of God. Reading, reading the Bible, reading the scripture, Right? We're going to grow in love with Him. We need to know who He is. We need to meditate on these scriptures. We need to know them. We need to know that when we when we walk outside and we see that mountain, we need to know, man. I read this morning that God about God's creating those, and we look at creation, and because we we've read about Him, creation causes us to worship Him. As we read the scripture, and, and I want to encourage you. If this is something that is difficult, if this is something that that is hard for you to to grasp and hard for you to understand, man, just focus on the scriptures that talk about God loving us. There are a ton of them. Meditate on those. Think on those. Read those. Journal about those. Ask him about them. I I don't know that there's anything he would rather you ask him about. God, what do you mean when you say this? What do you mean even here? No greater love is there than this than a man lay down his life for a friend. You said that and then you died for me. What does that mean? me about it and and we begin to ask him those things and have conversation with him so as we encourage you guys to to begin cultivating a daily time where you're spending time with the lord you're reading the scriptures and then you're praying them it's not just because we want routine it's not just because we want you to be disciplined and have routine and that makes for good people no 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 no, no. it's placing ourselves in the position to receive from him to grow and so our hearts can expand in, in knowledge of who he is Knowledge of how much He loves us, therefore, able to love Him more. Worshipping. As we worship, as we sing, something happens inside of us. And so we can be singing the scriptures, we can be singing songs, but as we think on who He is and and, and sing that, it erupts inside of us. So every time, I want to encourage you, and this is really hard because of how much we do this, I know, but never take worshiping for granted. Never take it for granted when we gather in here. When we gather in that room, and when we're in the living room, the furnace prayer room, when you're, you know, in someone's living room, never take it for granted. I mean, like, seriously, there are people throughout history that have not been able to do that. We get to unite together and worship God. But beyond even that, let's just not even take it for granted. Forget our freedoms. The freedom He gives us to do that. The freedom He gives us to say... Yeah, come into my presence. I'll encounter you here. Let's never take that for granted. And as we worship him, we sing simple lines over and over again. We sing simple songs, and it reminds us of who he is. And it causes us to love him more. Even reminding ourselves. If we, need, we need to remind ourselves every day of God's love for us. I just think that should become part of your regular activity, part of your regular God time. Jesus, you love me. I know it know it's true. Jesus, what do you think about yesterday? First off, you love me. You're proud of me. And and yeah, I, you're right. I was an idiot, but you still love me. And just over and over again, just even remind yourself. It's so important that we remind ourselves of these things because it's so easy to forget. And it's so easy for us to allow circumstances and emotion to rule us rather than the truth of what we know. So one of the, one of the best ways that I think you can remind yourself of this is to Memorize scripture Memorize the scripture that, that you want And, and, and just that, that, that you want to know And meditate on and, and have be a reality in your life And so find the scriptures Find the life verse And just say it over and over again And just remember And, and, and I want to encourage you Like I mean obviously any scripture Memorize it it's all good Like you can do that But like let's make sure that we're even applying it right You know like You know the, the great I can do all things christ and then we try to fly that probably isn't the best idea but if we would meditate and and just memorize the scriptures about god's love for us memorize memorize the psalms of how great he is memorize memorize these little and and don't try to bite off a whole chapter right just get a verse because you can't really recite a whole chapter to yourself while you're walking down the hallway you know and you're like man i'm kind of in a bad mood well here we go psalm 119 you know like but Begin to memorize scripture and then just think on it and say it and put it in your own language and ask, you know, ask the Lord about it. Remind yourself who you are. Remind yourself who he is. And just have that be a regular part of you, your routine. Obedience. If we want to grow in our love for Jesus, our capacity to love him, then we need to have simple, quick obedience. Even when we look at Jesus and this story of uh, you know, both at the, when he was baptized and at the transfiguration, God's declaring his love, God's response of, can't hold it in, I must tell Jesus how much I love him, was in response to Jesus being obedient. It was in response to Jesus walking out what he had been called to do, what he had been placed on this earth to do. His mission, he was being obedient. He said yes. Even when it was hard, right? I mean, even when he's in the garden and he's saying, not my will, but yours be done. He's obedient. And what happens is in his obedience, God declares his love. And what happens when God declares his love? We love him back. So let's be obedient. Be quick to quick to be obedient. Quick to say, yes, Jesus, I will do what you ask me to do. When we're reading the Bible or when we feel like God's telling us to do something, I hope that we're people that we, we are quick to say yes rather than quick to rationalize why that wasn't obedient. If you just go for it, and you may be standing in the grocery store, and you're like, uh, I feel like Jesus is telling me to pray for that person, and that's awkward. And, you know, I think that was just, I just came from a prayer meeting, so I kind of got prayer on the brain. And so that's probably not really Jesus. so we don't do it. Or, we're there and we're like, oh, this is going to be super awkward. But I'll go try it. Hey, stranger i pray for you listen even if you weren't led by the lord to do that i think he's like look at them trying to be obedient look at them trying to listen to me i love that look at look at my kid i am so proud of them in their weakness i'm so proud of them in 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 trying to hear my voice so let's be people that we try and sometimes we may fail and, and, and that's why we have community we have community to help us so that when we fail one they can, we, we can pick each other up and two when we're failing really badly we can tell each other hey I'm pretty sure that's not the Lord because sometimes when we're off by ourselves we think things are God that are clearly not God and so we need community to bring us back but that's what we're here for and that's a good thing but we want to be obedient to Jesus okay the last thing I want to talk about uh and like I said, there's more than this, but I do want to hit on fasting. Right now, we are uh, doing this 21 days of prayer and fasting, and not uh, just so you know, I, you guys at, at this class of DLA has probably heard more teaching on fasting than any other class. I mean, um, from from Sunday nights to our corporate meetings, even in your disciplines class, I'm sure you'll talk about it more for the leadership track. Uh, you guys have had a lot of talk on fasting. And I, I so love, even as we're doing this together, hearing uh, just in little ways. You know, it, 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 I, I haven't felt like any of you have like proudly proclaimed, this is what I'm fasting. But there's just certain obvious things, right? Like when you're hanging out with people and they're like, no thanks, I won't have that cheesecake. And you're like, what? And you're like, well, that's okay. You know, like we can t- and it's just been such a joy to me, even in these last three days, seeing your yes, the yes in your spirit. You're saying I'm going for it. And so I just want to even commend you for all of you that are going for it. What I think doesn't matter, but I, I am excited for you for what this is going to be. And, and I, my prayer is that, um, and, and maybe it's hard for you guys to see this or to care about this, but my prayer is that uh, this 21 Days launches DLA to have a culture of fasting for years to come, uh, where where that probably has been absent where it shouldn't be. Um, but in fasting, there there is... I mean, talk about cultivating hunger and and a constant reminder of desiring the Lord uh, and saying, you know what, more than the temporary comfort of this world, I'm choosing you and I want to know you. And and fasting, it it offends the mind. Um, It offends offends the spirit and it certainly offends the stomach. Uh, It doesn't make sense. But for some reason, this is one of the very, Uh, simple, practical ways that I believe that we can cause our hearts to grow in in our capacity to receive from the Lord, to understand Him, to experience Him. And it may not happen while we're fasting, and we may never see the fruit of it. But that doesn't mean that there isn't fruit. And uh, and so I um, just—I'll be honest with you guys. I'm I'm not really a good faster. Uh, Like, I probably started fasting when I was in high school. I went to a conference— And they told us, you know, hey, let's fast once a week. And I was like, woo, just like all of you did at Desperation, probably. And uh, I didn't even know what it was. And so, like, once a week, I wouldn't eat. And, you know, um, then I'd, I'd, like, get home. And I would, like, just naturally, you know, I'd go to the refrigerator, and I'd open it, and I'd just stare. And I'm just staring for, like, a minute. And I'm like, oh, I am not supposed to eat this. You know, or those days where you're like, you're fasting and you're going for it and you really believe in it, and you see that cake and you just put it in your mouth and you start eating and you're like, oh, oh I was fasting, you know. <laughs> but then it's already in there, so you're like, whatever, you know. So bring on the steak too. It's all good. I've been there. I mean, I remember in, in when I was uh, when I was a part of the program, uh, all the all the men's core were together and. One of us was like, hey, I really feel like the Lord's calling me to a 40-day fast. And so a second was like, I think we should all do it then. And the rest of us were like, seriously? (laughs) Like, one dude, and now all of us? Like, Maybe if like four people had been like, I feel that too. I felt the same thing. Then it's like, oh, this maybe is a corporate thing. But one guy, let let it alone. But anyway, so we went for it, right? And so we go for this 40-day fast. And we are just like, we're going to go for it. So four days in, we were... At Noodles drinking soup. And it was disgusting. And we were like, man, this is gross. Maybe we should do a Daniel fast. Yeah, bring out some macaroni and cheese, because somehow that fit in the Daniel Fast. So then then later that night we're like, hey fellas, you know, I, I remember like talking to them, hey, sorry. We we, we kind of broke our fast and we ate some pasta. And they're like, dude, we ordered pizza last night, we're done, you know? <laughs> so so I want you to know, admittedly, I'm I'm not standing up here as, like, someone who just would say, oh, I just love fasting. I've just embraced it, and there's nothing I enjoy more in life. That just ain't me. And that's just not my story. But I've been so encouraged in this last week doing this with you guys. Um, personally, I've never enjoyed a fast like I've enjoyed this last week with you. Um, and I'm not, listen, I'm not, doing this together. So um, I just believe that there's something on what the Lord's doing here and now. Um, And so I posted this uh, just as we headed into this um, on on our little Facebook page, our little announcement wall slash videos to make fun of each other. And uh, and so I just posted these five things, and I just want to read them. I'm almost done here. But um, the first thing is that you can do it. For those of you who were were seven days in, over and over again, actually, and it's hard. It's been difficult. Maybe you've broken it already a couple times secretly. Actually, this week you're okay. Actually, really funny. So, Amy and I are hanging out, and uh, she looks at me and she's like, "Did you go to Wendy's this week?" And I was like, "Yeah." Like last week, like seven days ago so like, it was actually a really sweet moment, because Amy had thought that one night, I'd snuck out from the house, and gone and broken my fast, and not told her, and she looks at the credit card statement, and sees Wendy's, and she's like, and she had such grace, it wasn't judgment, she was like, um, seriously, she was like, did you go to Wendy's, and I was like, I mean, literally, you know, it was like two days before, not that I would ever go to Wendy's, but, and I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, so matter of fact, and she was like, oh. And she like sympathized with me. I was like, this is so great. She's not even judging me. I should have gone to win. No, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it now, everybody. Here's the thing. I wanna encourage you, you can do this. I think one of the primary reasons I have not done well in fasting is because I have gone into it with a, I can't really do this mentality. This is too big, this is too hard. And there is a very real level where we have to rely on Jesus and we have to rely on his strength and that it's not in our own strength. But guess what? He's given you more strength than you know. He's given you a lot of strength and you can say yes to a lot of things. You know, I mean, Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You can do this. So here's just really practicals. I want to encourage you guys, you know, if you haven't already, to make a plan. Make a plan for what you're fasting and make a plan for what you are doing instead of whatever it was that you'd be fasting. Don't go into this thing where you just, you know, all of a sudden you're there and you're like, normally I would be at a movie right now, but I'm fasting movies, so what would I be doing? Or normally when I get in the car, I just turn on the radio, but I'm not listening to second music. So I haven't planned for this. Plan it. Plan ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the prayer room. I'm going to put on worship music instead. make a plan ahead of time. It will get hard. It will, if it hasn't already. And uh, when it gets hard, I want you to to be specific about what you're going to do. So when you're really tempted to eat that piece of cake, when you see that steak, and you're like, oh, that looks juicy. What are you going to do? Have you made the decision ahead of time? Make a plan for what you're going to do. Obviously, we always say there's no shame. If you break it, just say, oops, sorry, Jesus. You know, I'm kind of an idiot. But you love me. Let's keep going he does and then of course the whole point of this is he's our reward our reward is our hearts expanded capacity to receive from him there's a lot of other things as i was praying this week about this fast i was being really noble about it and i was telling jesus how i was not doing this for selfish motives and i was like i'm not doing this for selfish motives i'm doing this because i want this to be a statement of my love for you and i'm praying for these specific things for people i'm not doing this out of selfish motives and he kind of laughed at me i think and he was like yes you are I was like you're doing this for selfish motives and i love it because i would not be doing this if I, at bottom line above anything else i desire my heart to expand in passion and love for jesus i want to be marked by him and that is selfish in all the right ways and he loved it. He, I think he loves it for those of us that are saying, I'm doing this simply because I want more of you. It's like the one time you're allowed to be selfish in Christianity is when you want more of Jesus. And so he loved it. And so he's our reward. He's the reason we're going for this. And I just want to invite those of you that haven't been fasting this last week. Jump on. We put a nice little cute name on it, the 21. Who cares? Do it for 14. I don't care. Do it for 10. I don't care. But join us. Don't do it for me. Don't do it for your friends. Don't do it for anybody. But I'm telling you, this is one of the most simple ways that, well, not simple in terms of like, I mean, it, it is hard, but it's one of the most practical ways that I believe we can make the statement Jesus, I hunger for you more than. I am ultimately not of this world. I'm of your kingdom, and I trust in you. So, in this, I know you don't need another sermon on fasting, but I just wanted to hit on that as we, as we haven't been together as we're doing this. We kind of talked about fasting, launched into fasting, and then we went and ate as much as we could for a month, and then now we're back. And so, and I'm not saying you, you're all doing food, um, but I just want to encourage all of us: join in. Let's go for this. Here's the thing. All I'm saying tonight is that the thing that will sustain you all of your days is the knowledge that God loves you. And you have the ability to expand your heart's capacity to receive that love and love for more and more and more and more. And so let's say yes. Let's do it. So let's not look at disciplines as if it is somehow legalism. Let's not look at going for this. You're not doing it for any person's approval. Jesus, I thank you for every willing spirit here tonight. I thank you for the yes in their heart. God, we ask that you will work in revealing yourself to us, and that we will say yes to receiving that love. God, we want to know who it is that loves us so dearly. Oh we know the greatness of the god that loves us may that ignite passion within our own heart to love you back jesus you alone will sustain us you alone are our reward we worship you amen and over time this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, they've got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life.